This episode is sponsored by Luminous Creative Agency. Headquartered in downtown Providence, Luminous works with businesses and organizations to enhance their marketing efforts by developing high-quality creative content, such as video, ad campaigns, design, branding, and more. You can learn more by visiting Luminous.agency. That's L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S dot agency. Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. As always, we are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hi, guys. I hope everyone's doing well, feeling good. We are, just as a reminder, recording remote, so bear with us during this chaotic, crazy time. On this week's episode, we have Ray Nunez, one of the honorees from our Who to Watch party, and our conversation was awesome. He is such a cool guy. Yeah, he was really cool. He's uh, he's really nice. He's uh, really uh, excited and uh, enthusiastic, and you know, he's a was a great person to talk to. I thought it was a, a wonderful conversation. Yeah, he's doing really cool things with his business um, that he started um, pretty recently. It's it's a new endeavor for him and his wife and their team. Um, they're uh, a creative agency that focuses on anti-racist messaging and um, marketing to people by the people they're marketing to. So being on board with different cultures, different languages, really putting a focus on how important that is for campaigns and to reach the audience that you're trying to reach. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting take uh, and just a, a different way of going about um trying to reach a goal and um, reach an audience and do it in, you know, a correct way, a good way. Uh, Stay tuned and uh, listen to this great conversation. Have fun listening, guys. Enjoy Ray Nunez. Enjoy. Recording. It's good to go. Perfect. Ray, this is so fun. This is very fun. So, you know, in the intro to our episodes, we're letting people know that these are remote and our beautiful audience didn't just hear our fun, you know, exchange about our backgrounds, but you're looking very nice in your video chat. It looks very professional. I appreciate the commitment to this like Zoom life. Thank you. Thank you. You you all can't see it, but I have a beautiful dying plant behind me, which is very (laughs) symbolic of this year. Of this year. Hopefully not of next year, though. That's right. Hopefully this coming year, it's going to be the most wonderful year. The plants will thrive. We will thrive. There will be lots of goodness. Oxygen for everybody. That's right. Heck (laughs) yes. So, Ray, obviously you are one of our wonderful um, honorees for our Who to Watch um, issue of Providence Monthly. And our listeners will hopefully, you know, catch the theme by now that we're doing these episodes so you guys can go beyond the surface of like what we talked about in the article. We can hear more from you, your story, your life, what got you to this point. Um, So if you want to just start us off that in that direction. Who are yeah. you? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. We have we have an hour. I could definitely condense this down to an hour. Um, so I guess I'll answer the, the inevitable question. Uh, I am not a native Rhode Islander. I was not born here. I'm originally from Mexico. Uh, so I am a long ways from home. I was born in the state of Michoacan in a little town called Los Reyes. Um, 
I miss it right now. I wish I was there right now. It's very, it's, it's bumping during the holidays. Uh, and I have a lot of FOMO just seeing my cousins post photos of their Christmas parties and all that stuff and just uh, eating vicariously through their Instagram photos. Um, but I, before I came to Rhode Island, I was living in New Jersey. Uh, I grew up in a small town called Buttsville, New Jersey, which is a very unfortunate name for a town to grow up in. Uh, <laughs> And I moved up to Providence in 2014, uh, initially because I was flirting with RISD. Um, my background's in art and design. So if you're going to go anywhere, you're going to go to the art <laughs> mecca, which is the Rhode Island School of Design. Uh, but then I fell in love with Johnson & Wales. And that is what kind of kept me here. So, you know, shout out to Jay Wu, go Wildcats. Um, and I've been here ever since. Uh, I like to believe I'm a real Rhode Islander now. Uh, we talked about it, uh, you know, a little bit ago, but I had my son four months ago. Uh, so he was like my my anchor to the state. He was born at Women and Infants. So I feel like I get like honorary street cred for finally being a Rhode Island. Heck now. yeah. There you go. I always say um, that people, not to interrupt you, but the people who like aren't from here and choose to stay here and then do, especially do good, good and positive things for the state, like you deserve the term Rhode Islander more than any of the people who are just born here. So you get that. I love that. I love that. It's it's an audio format, but if we could get it in a writing, like on my LinkedIn or something, <laughs> I would love that. No, and you know, what's funny about that is like when I first got here, so I think you need to understand, like I grew up in a very non-diverse place. So to come to Rhode Island, like I, I vividly remember it. Like I got off the Greyhound bus in Kennedy Plaza and I'm walking around and like there's so much noise and culture and people and food. And I thought this was the coolest place in the world. I still do. Um, but just exploring Rhode Island like and hearing people who are lifelong Rhode Islanders talk negatively about it. I can't help but just be like, no, stop it. Don't you do this. Like you need to go to northern New Jersey and experience <laughs> what it's like to have no culture and then come here and you will love it. You will absolutely evangelize it in the way that I do. But yeah, I love this little place. It's home. Yeah, I love that. So you fell in love with Johnson and Wales. What was your um uh I just lost my train of thought. What was your major? Like what kind of career path did you go down? Yeah. So I um I guess I'll backtrack a step and say that I had no intentions of going to college to begin with. Um, when I was in high school, I, you know, I went to a technical school. I've been a graphic designer since I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. Uh, I started my first business uh, when I was 13. Uh, it was, uh, it was not anything fancy. I, I was not a publicly traded company. Uh, I would repair computers and make logos for people and flyers and t-shirts and like band posters, like really amateur kind of <laughs> grungy stuff. Um, I would just go like door to door to different businesses and just see what they needed. Um, and I started to work at a print shop where, you know, I was I was managing like some pretty hefty projects. There's a lot of like big pharmaceutical jobs. Like I was making like decent money for a 17 year old. So college just like didn't seem practical at the time. I was like, I'm already doing the thing. Like I don't need a degree to keep doing this. Um, and my mother-in-law, she kind of you know twisted my arm a little bit because she's like, you know, you're at the time I was like top of my class and I was, you know, fairly good at school. Like I enjoyed it. Um, and she's the one who was like, you got to apply to at least something. So the reason I fell in love and the reason I say I was in love with Johnson Wales is because they were very much speaking my love language. They were like, we know you're only here to get this piece of paper. So we're just going to make sure you get in and out and that you have a job and that you're not 
you're not lingering here, right? You're not going to be free range. Like we're going to keep you on the right path. So I studied graphic design uh, with, it wasn't a formal concentration. I was just kind of like exploring around different uh, topics, but I did somewhat of a concentration in advertising, communications, and political science. Um, I was involved with everything. Like I was that kid on campus who was like, hey, here's a whole list of all the events that are happening. And I was at all of them. Um, I ran for president my first year of the whole student body uh, and won, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and I think that's what kind of got me hooked on on politics, uh, just kind of, you know, being in this little microcosm that was the college campus of Johnson & Wales and, you know, seeing all the different groups kind of mix with each other and, you know, being a spokesperson for things that I was passionate about like that, that definitely started early. Um, and yeah, I think the the kind of floodgates open from there. Like I started to get involved in the greater Providence community. And then because Rhode Island is this big viewers, you can't see it, but I'm holding my hands like very, very small. Uh, <laughs> it's a tiny state, uh, but it was very easy to, you know, have access to people and to be in the know uh, and just to get involved in the things that I cared about in a way that wouldn't be possible in like a Texas or New York. Right. It was just very easy to get connected. That's awesome. Um, when you were in Johnson and Wales, did you live on campus or did you live? Did I say when you lived at Johnson and Wales? I might have just said that incorrectly. When you yeah. were attending Johnson and Wales, did you live on campus or did you live elsewhere? I don't know why that reminded me of uh, uh, when you said lived at Johnson and Wales. Like, do you remember the person who lived at the mall for like years? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just envisioned myself having like a little little Harry Potter crevice uh, somewhere on campus. Got but, away with living uh, in a parking structure for yeah, years. <laughs> exactly. I was inside of the Wildcat Willie mascot. <laughs> um, the, um, yes, I did live on campus. I was there my first year. Uh, I lived in their you know, downtown residence hall. I was up on like the sixth floor so I could see all of downtown, uh, which was really cool. Uh, I've always grown up in very rural areas. So, you know, that was my first experience of living in a little baby city. Um, it was awesome. Uh, and then it got kind of, uh, it became a lot. <laughs> you could only do that, I think, you know, one year. Uh, and then I moved uh, to Pawtucket, actually. Um, my wife and I, girlfriend at the time, she came up to also study at Johnson Wales. She studied design too. She's way cooler than I am. Um, and we got our first apartment um, over on Pidge Ave in Pawtucket. So we were right on the line of the east side. Oh my uh, god, I love that. Yeah, yeah, we had like risoi and you know. Oh my god! And all, the, all the smells were right there. It was beautiful. That little area is like a hub for such good little restaurants. Like I don't know if at the time Garden Grill was there, but Garden yeah. Grill, risoi, oh, yeah. sisters, ice cream, India, like all these good things are right yeah. within walking distance. Yeah, exactly, and at a fraction of the cost of like Eastside rent. Mm -hmm. I think we were paying we were paying six hundred dollars flat. Whoa. Which is insane, right? That's that's wild because that wasn't that wasn't long ago. That was about 2015. So that's yeah. crazy. And no, now you wow. said before that you're in the Riverside area. Yeah. So uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, uh, Mari and I eloped last year uh, in Pawtucket, actually, right in that same neighborhood. Um, our neighbor uh, Senator Megan Coleman married us in her backyard because we we canceled our wedding. We were going to get married at the Hope Artis Village. Uh, we had this whole you know, Mexican wedding with 200 plus people and uh, obviously COVID wouldn't allow that. So we we said to hell with it. We'll just elope and have everybody watch us through Zoom. Um, and that was it. But now we've moved in April here to, to Riverside. 
uh, it's cute over here. It's quiet. Not a lot going yeah. on. Riverside, and it's so easy to get to Providence from that area. No, absolutely not. It used no? to be. No, it used to be. I, I'm going to put them on blast right now. Traffic is a jam right now. It took me like 35 to 40 minutes to cross the bridge the other day. And this oh. was not like holiday traffic. It's the construction that's happening. And uh, it will be done in 2026, so I've been told. So, Good luck. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. But you're right. That's why I moved there. I'm like, I could go like eight minutes into the city. Boom, right there. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a little tight. You gotta get, like, get, you gotta get yourself like a little dinghy and you just cross the river instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I could see Providence from my backyard from this window right now. I could see the beautiful city of Providence and I need to just create some sort of little raft to get across. Heck, or like a zip line. A zip line? That would be yeah, awesome. From, from here like to the your Superman second... building. Oh my God, how cool would that be? Now I, they finally I, have a use for the Superman building for zip lines. For zip lines, for Riverside folks. Um, I am jealous of my one neighbor who has a um, little moped. Um, he has like a little, it's not an electric bike and it's not a real like Italian style moped. It's like somewhere in the middle. I think he built it. Um, and he just goes on the bike path into the city and it probably takes him 10 minutes to get there. Um, it just seems super like flexible i don't know like he doesn't have to park anywhere he can just pull up where bikes are and hang out um that might be my 22 investment oh my god that's right. such a smart idea yeah. um now before we you know jump into like 2022 and all that stuff can you explain a little bit about your business and what you guys do and and the focus and the mission and all that stuff yeah for sure so uh february of last year uh, and I know I hinted a little bit about this uh, in the in the article, but my wife and I, um, we were both experiencing kind of parallel burnouts uh, in different sectors. And uh, like many people are right now, right? Like this was kind of in the beginning of the, uh, what is it being dubbed? The, the, great, the great resignation. resignation. Yeah. That's right. The great <laughs> resignation. Uh, we were kind of like in the beginning of that. So we both quit our full-time jobs and decided to, uh, for the first time in our lives, uh, tag team projects, creative projects. And we decided to start a small kind of creative agency. And the intention, uh, and keep in mind, this is February of 2020. So this is pre pre COVID, like 18 days before it hit the fan. Um, we were going to be this small mom and pop group, you know, serving other small mom and pop orgs, and just keep it real, real lean. And 18 days later, after we were you know, in the, in the trenches per se, um, everything was on fire and all the companies that we were going to work with, um, most of them small businesses, most of the minority owned businesses, uh, you know, they closed their wallets, um, because they had to be in full survival mode, like everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had to make a difficult decision of, you know, do I continue to pay payroll or do I invest in a new fancy website? Do I invest in a new digital ad campaign or to rebrand myself? Like, can I really afford those things? Mm -hmm. So we had to, as a business ourselves, figure out how do we continue to to serve the folks we care about, right? Small orgs, nonprofits, missions that are aligned with us, um, but still pay our bills uh, because we knew that they just didn't have the funds to to keep working with us, but they needed us desperately. You know, nonprofits that were getting ready to have their spring galas or spring fundraisers had to find ways to transform digitally. And we were there to kind of help them adapt to that because we knew that it was like a chicken and egg, right? Like they, they needed us in order to raise the money, in order to pay us, in order to fuel the mission, in order to blank, 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 just keep going. 
So uh, yeah, we, we turn into like little firefighters, right? We put on our oxygen mask and then we jump in to help everybody else. And it was incredibly rewarding. Um, and it kind of doubled down on, we can exist as a company uh, that makes money, obviously that is profitable, but that also does good. So in the past uh, six months, so this summer, we, we kind of paused for the first time after running for over a year uh, and rebranded ourselves. Uh, and instead of being this mom and pop shop, we, we have this commitment to scale uh, in the most sustainable way to serve the most people uh, that we can and to serve the most organizations that we can. So uh, you might have seen it, you know, we, we've shifted from uh, being the Nunez company to being Nunez, the people's agency, uh, really doubling down on this is this is deeper than us. This is bigger than just my wife and I working out of our living room. Uh, this is now a, a growing team. Uh, we have about 22 other people uh, on our team now, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. All of which are people who are value aligned with us and get it, get that this is a, a viable way to, to live and to work and to continue to do good. Um, but yeah, we are no longer just designers. We now do uh, full-fledged, you know, marketing campaigns, uh, social campaigns, political campaigns, uh, a lot of fundraising, consulting, um, really just all the essentials uh, to make sure that our partners can, you know, get their message out and, and thrive in whatever form that looks like, and to be equitable while they're doing it. Wow, that's the fact. When you said twenty-two employees, I was not expecting that. That is. Yep such a crazy milestone and like goal i don't know if it was a goal but like that's a crazy like step to take to hire yeah. that many people yeah so the beauty of what we do so it's at this point three full-time and 20 22 uh freelancers in our network right so the beauty of our projects is that um you know, I always refer to it as like the Avengers uh, because every project is unique right we don't need 22 people on the same project so if we have a a uh, project that needs, you know, a website and messaging and a social media campaign. We know, like, these are the superstars in our network who could tackle that, and we assemble them when they're needed for that. Um, but they're always working on something. Like at, at any given point, our partners are are busy, if you will. Um, but we know that to to get the best bang for our buck and to make sure that we don't we don't break somebody's bank, uh, we only assemble kind of the the essentials. Um, and that's just it's really fun too because i'm constantly working with different people and it's uh it's really exciting to just kind of have like this constant shuffle yeah that sounds like i think too in this era of you know covid and all that stuff like having that built-in sort of like team but also like you said like you can assemble them for what works so that even avoids like burnout so they're not like working on projects that they don't really sh they shouldn't really be working on yep. and don't really make sense for them like yep. they can align with certain projects and put all their passion into those things without being like oh i have to do this i have to do that like yep. super smart to to you know situate it that way yeah and you guys get it you're you're both creatives there's there's times where you're not going to be stimulated like you're not going to be fulfilled by doing the work and it'll drain you and it'll drain the project as a whole and i've been there i've been on the receiving end of, of projects and assignments that just you know they even though they might be simple uh to get done they sit on your to-do list forever because you just dread doing them and there's nothing wrong with that you know we all have different talents and we have to be working on things that are the most appropriate for us but i also know that to keep people engaged and to keep them going you need to feed them things that are fulfilling to them and that means making sure that the projects are creative, but also, uh, 
you know, fulfilling to the missions that are personal to people. Um, I also know, aside from the skill set kind of category, if we have a project that might be, uh, you know, personal to somebody, like if we're working with uh, an organization dealing with with children or with animals, we have somebody on the team inevitably who, like, those are topic areas they care about. <clears throat> so when they're on it, they're not just performing at their best talent-wise, but they're also emotionally invested into it, and that transforms a project. That that really changes the way that people work. Yeah, and like you and Nick were saying before about like the great resignation, I think a really smart way to avoid that again is doing exactly what you're doing, Ray, and saying like, oh, I know that this person loves dogs and they also are great at designing logos. Oh, this petty, like it's, that way people feel connected to their work. They feel like they have a yep. sense of like responsibility and, and it just, to avoid that sort of like issue that happened in 2020, it's a good way to yep. keep the ball rolling. Yeah. Yep. And, the, and uh, one kind of feeds into the other. Um, the, the, the whole idea of the great resignation is a lot of people quit their nine to five, their regular day jobs and uh, moved into working for themselves, which a lot of the time means doing um, what's the right way, way to put it like piecework or mm -hmm. um, freelance work. So yeah. kind of, if there are a bunch of agencies or businesses that operate on a similar model to what you do, um, what you're doing is allowing these people to have businesses they can work with. Um, so they're basically independent contractors looking for contracts with multiple different businesses. So if there's yep. multiple uh, smaller or larger agencies that use this kind of contract model, it allows people to do um, this kind of work as well. Yeah. So I guess the third the third pillar, right? If we're talking about like fulfillment and skill sets, the third pillar of this is is kind of rooted in in equity and in that burnout space. Because this is not new. Like we're not creating a new revolutionary concept of how to run an agency. But the the difference is like we've seen this because both my wife and I have been freelancers for a very long time. There's this expectation that freelancers are replaceable, right? Like mm -hmm. they're not real employees. You don't have to give them the love and you don't have to water them like you do everybody else uh, because there's a queue <laughs> of them right behind them. So you could just, you know, have somebody burn the midnight oil over and over and over again and then bring on somebody new. And that's not sustainable, right? So even though they are uh, contractors and that they're only working on certain projects, they're they're still part of the team. They're still mm -hmm. on these kind of like all hands on deck conversations. They're still uh, an extension and ambassadors for for our team. Um, they're not just somebody who is a ghost writer or whose name is completely unknown. Like we want to celebrate them the same way we do everybody else. Um, and the you know the the second half of the equity piece is our team is wildly diverse uh, because our projects are diverse. So we know that even if it's you know, somebody checks off the fulfillment and the skills, they might not be the most culturally competent individual to run a project. This past, what, uh, 20 months, we've been doing a lot of work that uh, requires us to do outreach with, uh, with the Latino community, right? So we know that if we're doing a social media campaign, the folks who are managing the social media also have to be bilingual, right? It's not just enough to be able to produce good content. It has to be appropriate content and it has to be relevant content. So, you know, all those three pillars, once they're checked off, that's when you make a really good team and that's when you get the best results. Um, you know, not just the fact that somebody's bilingual, but uh, if you're 
a part of the culture. There are cultural norms and popular things within a culture that, especially if you're doing an advertising campaign for somebody and you're trying to target a certain group of people because it applies mm-hmm. to them. If it's, you know, me doing something for a Spanish speaking audience, like I don't know shit. <laughs> yeah. I might have to uh, bleep out my, my, my use of the word shit there, but uh, I mean, it's just true. I, I would have no, uh, reason or place being the person trying yeah. to speak to a group of individuals in which I'm not immersed. Yeah. And, and Nick, this is kind of, it's obvious, right? It seems very obvious. Uh, but in the world of, of advertising, this is, this has just been the norm, right? We've had uh, people tell stories uh, or communicate information on behalf of, you know, we'll use just communities of color in this case, without actually bringing them on from the beginning to make decisions on how that communication should go out, what the communication should look like, um, and if it even makes sense. I mean, for so long, people have just like used Google Translate, if you will, to just to dub a campaign into another language without understanding that there's, you have to start from scratch. You're almost running two parallel campaigns with different intentions, all working towards the same goal, obviously, but the approach is wildly different. Um, you see it, I mean, we saw it just through COVID, right? People have been trying to replicate uh, even just vaccination campaigns or testing campaigns without understanding that there's just so many cultural factors, there's work factors, there's living condition factors that are affecting the way that we do this, right? Like, I I know that we, we saw one uh, campaign rollout last year where testing was happening in the middle of the day, right? It was like a noon to three o'clock. And, you know, for for hardworking individuals who are, first of all, reliant on public transportation to leave work, you're not just doing a 15 minute test, you're adding, you know, a half an hour window before and after to make sure that that is an accessible testing site. So just little things. It's it's about where we communicate and how we communicate. And it just has to be appropriate. Like the market has shifted so much. We can't we can't wait on that. Yeah. When you're trying yeah, to and it... go ahead, Sasha. Go ahead. Nick. No, go ahead. Well, (laughs) rocks, paper, scissors. Well, I was just going to say, you know, for so long, you know, and I think obviously COVID was like terrible for so many reasons, but I think it gave so many individuals a moment to be like, I have this space and this opportunity to do something that is fulfilling or that I can control that feels better, you know, for me. And, And I'm, excited that we're starting to change the narrative because I think for a long time it was like everyone quit their job because they're all getting unemployment and it was like actually like people are working for themselves now and people are doing things that they actually care about and they actually are connected to Mm -hmm. and they're feeling fulfilled and most likely they're making more money and getting treated better than they were working in a retail job or in a nine-to-five job or in a restaurant job and obviously the people who are taking those jobs are 100% appreciated like thank you so much for your hard work. But it also gave maybe an individual who never was given the opportunity to explore that before, like they had a break where they could say like, yep. okay, can I work for myself? Yeah, and Maybe it's... they never grew up with an entrepreneur in their family. Yeah. yeah. To, to that point though, about like growing up with entrepreneurs, like I, my dad was, uh, he worked in landscaping uh, for most of my childhood. But when I was like 12 years old, uh, my dad moved back to Mexico. Uh, which is crazy, right? He already was here. He already established his family. Um, and then he moved back to Mexico to, to start his own business in agriculture, and which is like a high risk, high reward type of job. Like you 
you you're you're subject to the environment in that case right he was growing blackberries and blueberries and like everybody around him was like that's a terrible idea don't do that and he had this like inherent kind of trust and belief in himself <laughs> which is super cool that you know like good on you for for having that confidence um and he did it and he went down there and like started this little empire and he he had a lot of success right and growing up i saw my mom uh who who never had like a quote unquote full-time nine to five job, but she was always doing something, right? She was she was cleaning houses, she was babysitting, she was uh, she was cooking for people, she was selling jewelry and Tupperware. Like my mom is like the queen of entrepreneurs. And I always like tried to model that uh, that behavior, right? Like maybe it wasn't in the same spaces, but it was the attitude of like, yeah, I could I could hustle, I could figure it out, whatever that means. And I mean, that's what we've been doing kind of in a blur in the past 22 months. Like, we know what we're good at. We know what we're not good at. We know what we could say yes to. We know what our capacity is. And we're just going to keep moving in a way that, that feels right to us. And so far, like, I, I love this. Even though, you know, it's wildly stressful to run a business, especially during a global pandemic, especially after having a little one. But I know that this is, this is the greatest thing I could be doing with my time and my energy right now. And I love it. That's amazing. I was going to say, like, it's funny you were talking about, like, your journey, your wife and you starting this business. And then I kind of forgot, like, no offense to your small, beautiful baby. But, like, <laughs> I kind of forgot that you also had to be in the middle of your wife being pregnant and yep. dealing with a newborn. Like, all those things on top of starting a business and kind of pivoting the way your business is working and working with all different freelancers. And, like, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. In the uh, in the Netflix original series where I'm played by Wilmer Valderrama, um, I feel like that would be like the dramatic moment where everything is just on fire, you know. Um, but you're right. Like <laughs> this is so funny when when I say it out loud. In retrospect, right? Uh, we in one year, you know, we got we got married, uh, started a business, quit our full time jobs, and uh, got pregnant. Right. Next year we had this baby, and. Like, while it sounds really insane, it, it, I think it was good that we just did it all at once because it's just been this, like, graceful dance, you know what mm. I mean, uh, where it hasn't, to this point, felt overwhelming. It's just been a constant high. Um, and I, I do have to give credit. Like, my wife is awesome. Like, we, we tag team life. Um, and for this business to have been as successful as it is so far and to be scaling at the rate is because we've been so complimentary to each other. Like the the other piece to, you know, the great resignation is I knew I didn't want to work in an environment where I wasn't going to be able to spend time with with my family, right, with my son. And I knew that from day one. Like I, I watched both of my parents always be working, right? My dad was out seven days a week in some cases. And he would get home by the time I was sleeping. So I knew that, that those precious moments, I wanted to be there for. So here I am with the privilege of being able to take the time off when I want to, when I need to. Um, I took like over a month off for paternity leave. Um, my wife is still, you know, now just entering kind of this part-time work again. But we know that at any point, like we could just bring on another creative and we could supplement some of this work. Um, and really enjoy these moments because COVID proved, you know, this is only so so limited. Uh, anything could happen. Another monkey wrench could be thrown at us in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and we have to be able to, you know, appreciate and, and simmer the moment that we're in right now. Absolutely. And sometimes um, you, 
people work best when they're not expecting something, right? So maybe that's kind of where you fell into, right? Like, you know, marriage, starting a business, quitting your job, doing all this stuff. Like if you had planned it out, you probably be like, oh, next year we'll do that. Next year we'll do that. Yep. But yep. having it happen all at once, like you just were like ready. You were embracing yeah. the chaos. Yeah. Roll with yeah. the punches. Roll and with clearly, the punches. And clearly it's been a successful chaotic journey for you because yeah. having this business, being able to provide um, jobs for so many people, doing something that you're connected to, making a difference in the way people market their campaigns and speak to different audiences. Like that's something that's a like starting a marketing company in itself is hard, but having all these other aspects on top of it, plus getting married, plus having, <laughs> I'm just going to keep throwing those things in there. Yep. Yep. But that's just a lot of things to be uh, like on your plate. And as you said, like, I'm sure every day is stressful. Like I'm sure every day you wake up and you're like, I need, I have a million things to do. I have to get all this stuff done. But like at the, also at the end of the day, like you care about these things. Mm -hmm. So when they go well, it is so much more fulfilling yep. and so much more meaningful than like, you know, if you're working for a company and a job as well, it's like, okay, cool. Like my bosses and their bosses, like, and their bosses are celebrating and I'm just yeah. back to the grind. Yep. Where you get to be, you know, it's just really cool that you get to be like immersed in your work, proud of your work, and in charge of your work. Yeah, a hundred percent, and and unapologetically me, you know, throughout that whole time. Like, I so in that <laughs> short window right around August, where I think everybody kind of let their guard down and we were having events again. Um, I remember showing up to this you know, suit and tie type of affair. And I was rocking like a black t-shirt and like Reeboks, my, you know, my dad Reeboks or no, there were new balances, my new balances. And like, I yeah, just felt was. like, I just felt super casual and super cool. And like myself, you know, mm. whereas in another world, you know, I might've felt socially obligated to throw on a suit and tie and to try to fit the norm of the room that I was walking into. And it comes with this really beautiful liberation where like, I could just be me and like, I'm I'm here talking to you both right now and like I don't have this like canned script that I have to follow to, you know, be in line with the mission of my employer. Like I could just I could just talk as myself and that that is really beautiful. That's a part of of entrepreneurship uh of doing this on my own that I didn't expect. Um and I love it. I really really love that. Yeah, I through getting to speak with, you know, a lot of the people from the who to watch list and just people in general through the podcast and through like our magazines, like hearing the journey that entrepreneurs take. And sometimes it's like a really tough journey. Sometimes it's super smooth. Sometimes it's up and down. Like there's so many different ways that it can turn out. But the at the base of all that is people who want to take control of something, problem solve, be part of better change, do good things, supply something for an audience that may have been forgotten or oppressed or, you know, isn't being spoken for. Like the entrepreneurial spirit is like unbelievable. I'm impressed by people like yourself, the other honorees, other people we've interviewed. Um, my husband is an entrepreneur. Like these people are, are just so, I don't have that. I could never start my own business. I, it would be, you said the dumpster fire. It would. I would be living inside the dumpster fire. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> My brain just doesn't work like that. I stress out too much, too easily. 
So I yep. give you all, everyone who's in that realm, like dealing with 2020 and the, the craziness and the, all yep. the stuff, like it's amazing. Yeah. Shout out to uh, shout out to my therapist, uh, Jessica, <laughs> for keeping me together. But yeah, all of these, um, you know, I love the dumpster fire analogy because everybody relates to it right now, especially in the past two years. But um, it is a, a lonely uh, endeavor sometimes, right? Because it is a lot of work and it's it's kind of you're living in your head a lot. Uh, so that balance of like taking care of myself, taking care of, you know, my own nest, if you will, before I could work on anything else is key. Like I know that if I start to experience burnout in a way that I have before, like I need to check myself. And, and that, that's a responsibility, right. Uh, for, for me and for everybody else I'm working with, like now we, now we have our hands in a handful of different things where I know that if I were to, if I were to crash, I would be letting people down, but I, I don't, I don't want that. I don't feel that like the, the pressure keeps getting higher, but it doesn't feel overwhelming on me because I'm taking moments to pause and like reflect on how grateful I am that I'm even getting to do this stuff. Mm. And I'm sure you take a lot of time and, what, what you've already said to make sure your team is aligned with what yeah. you're aligned with. Yeah. So if there's ever a minute, you know, I was just having a conversation with one of our coworkers where I was like, sometimes I just feel <laughs> bad saying like, I need help. But like, yeah. if you're surrounded by a good team, you don't feel bad because you're all helping each other. You're all lifting each other up and being there when someone else, you know, is sick or, you know, yep. has to deal with maybe a sick baby or, whatever um having a conscious team around you which seems like you do um is such a big part of that like putting that focus focus on surrounding yourself with a team that's aligned with you yeah and the partners that we work with too i mean they all they all are in the same situation right i know that i could to anybody that we're working with right now i could call them up if we had a if we had a meeting this afternoon that wasn't on fire uh and i could say hey you know my God forbid my son is sick or I have to go to a, a, an appointment, they will be understanding. You know, a lot of them are parents themselves. A lot of them just get it. Like sometimes, sometimes we just need a day. I remember we, uh, I texted one uh, partner that we were working with and I think we texted each other like at the same time. And it was like a coded message, right? He said, I have an appointment. I said, I have something else. And then I think we called each other that afternoon and I was like, yeah, I was just not in it. He's like, yeah, me neither. I wasn't feeling it either. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's okay. We could be transparent with each other and say, hey, the world's on fire. There's so many things happening. Like sometimes we just need to like disconnect for a little bit and nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to suffer for that. It'll actually help us so we could kind of recharge a little bit. Yeah. And what we've learned through 2022 is like a literal pandemic can happen, can happen. And we can work together to like figure it out. It might not be yep. how it was originally envisioned, but to get, I mean, and obviously it, it unfortunately doesn't always work out, but for the most part, if you are open and communicating mm -hmm. and, and giving that line of support, like you can figure it out. Yep. You know, even, you know, when Nick and I decided to do the, the next two weeks remote for podcasting, like it was stressful, but like, we're there to be like, okay, we're going to practice. We're going to do this. We're going to send everyone like a good little checklist. If they feel yep. weird, they can let us know if they're, you know, it's, it's all about like being open with people and like meeting them where they are. Yep. Cause exactly. if, you, if, if you can't do that, then what's the point? Exactly. 
exactly. We're we're all swimming in this <laughs> in the same boat here. Yeah, I, I think we're in the same water. Some of us are in different boats, right? True, I, that's I talk true. to some people who are like, oh, there's a pandemic happening, like you know, who are just so not in tune with the reality of so many people, but definitely in the same water for sure. Same. Yes, thank you for, uh, you're totally right. <laughs> Cleaning some up the us, analogy a little bit there. <laughs> some of us are on jet skis. Some yeah. of us are, are just swimming. Some of us yeah. are on party on the, boats. On the on the floating door from Roses <laughs> uh, on the Titanic. <laughs> oh my God, that's too yeah. perfect. There was room for both of them. We know that. Uh, yes, we okay. know. Um, but so we, uh, I'm so thankful that you um, gave us like a, your history, like, we got to know you so well and ray you are a, you have great energy you're doing amazing things what's happening in 2022 for you as ray for you yeah. as the people's agency like yeah so much so uh 22 is an election year um surprise to nobody uh so we have a, a couple projects that we're working on um in the political space, uh, we have uh, 401 Gives 2022 that is coming up before we know it. It'll be here uh, on April 1st. We're helping uh, the United Way again. Uh, this year we're raising $4.01 million. Uh, I always feel like Dr. Evil, right? With the little pinkies up, million dollars. Um, so that is one of our favorite projects uh, that we get to work on because it has such a ripple effect, right? Uh, just by supporting one one day of giving, we support so many organizations. So <laughs> that's something on the radar that we're looking out for. Um, our team is continuing to expand, which I'm super grateful for. Uh, we just got our uh, MBE certification, our minority-owned business certification, uh, which is another really exciting thing. There's a lot of uh, really good development happening over in the Office of uh, Diversity, Equity, and Opportunity. Uh, we are... Um, expanding outside of the US, which is super cool. Um, I am working on some projects at Mexico in the second and third quarter of next year. And uh, our director of partnerships, uh, Jude, uh, he's working on some projects in, in West Africa, in Ghana, Nigeria. So that, like just saying that out loud, I think for the first time, sounds really cool, right? That's like awesome. these are the things that we we dreamt of. So uh, again, the, the one kind of blessing that COVID shined a light on is that we could do this work from anywhere. Uh, and we could support the areas that we care about, even if we're not geographically there. So, um, you know, I've always wanted to do work in Mexico, work in Spanish. So for me to go back home and to start tackling some projects that are near and dear uh, to my family and, you know, projects that are relevant to me are super exciting. Uh, my wife and I are going to Mexico, COVID allowing. Uh, this is another great kind of uh you know, this is blending the personal and the professional like we always do. But uh, in an effort to start drumming up some noise down there, we're going to go there for a couple of weeks just to uh, just to live at a different pace. Right. Um, I came to the U.S. when I was four. Uh, I was undocumented until about uh, until I was about 10 ish. Um, so for me to go back to Mexico as not a tourist, but somebody living there uh, and doing business there is like this beautiful moment of my life, uh, especially because I have the opportunity to bring my my wife and my son there to experience that with me. So uh, that's all on the radar. We're going to pack all of that into 2022, uh, you know, if we're able to. Um, and then just continuing to work with Rhode Islanders who, you know, have strong missions, who are aligned with our values, who, you know, are committed to dismantling some of these systems of oppression and have fun doing it because we, we can't get lost in the seriousness of the work. We have to acknowledge it and then quickly move forward to rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. Um, 
yeah, that's that's 22 in a nutshell. Um, it's it's an audio now, so it's official. Now we got to do it. Oh, and a four day work week. Um, I, t I tweeted out the other day. Uh, this is funny. Uh, I tweeted out the other day in support of a four day work week and the Boston Globe retweeted it. So now we have to do it. Uh, so now now we're in the process or we've been in the process of figuring out uh, how can we realistically do it? Because it's not a stretch, right? We are on a project based timeline most of the time. Uh, where we can condense our work week down like that and allow our team to have another day of just decompression because it's it's exhausting work. We get emotionally attached to some of these missions. It is, I mean, you both know this, creative work is draining, right? You, mm. You're sometimes working later than you want to uh, because there's a lot to get done in, in relatively short windows. So if I could allow my team that extra day as a buffer uh, to take care of themselves, take care of their families, and just to disconnect from the the slack notifications from the you know the emails uh, i think that'd be awesome and so i could do it too shamelessly that's um there's so many good things happening for you personally and for your business in 2022 that's awesome one thing i need to say because nick and i love like a full circle moment is even though it's not the exact same you were mentioning how your your father came here he <laughs> built a life here and then he left to, to work to start a business in mexico and i know you're yep. not staying there forever, at least I hope not, I hope you come back. But the fact that you're here building a business and now going to live in, in Mexico to start another sector of that, like, yep. that's yeah. crazy. That's really dope. Sasha, I never thought about it that way, but that's really cool. Um, it is kind of a full circle. And, you know, there's there's so many symbolic pieces to this too. Like, you know, when one of the first times my wife and I went to, to Mexico, like, the, I mean, she's, she's Irish and Italian, right? She's as white as they come. And when she landed in Mexico as an artist, right, seeing so much culture and color, like it was, it was so beautiful to see somebody experience my culture for the first time uh, in real time. So, uh, you know, two years ago, we went down to Mexico and got engaged. And like, to go back to that town, and that's where we're planning on, on, on living for a couple of weeks, is, is another full circle moment of like, now we're back here, you know, in, in greater numbers. We'll bring our son, we'll bring our dogs. We have three little dogs. Uh, they're not little, they're huge, um, but they're little to me. It'll be really cool just to really bring it home. Yes, I love, I first of all, like that whole story, once we hang up, I'm gonna go like cry with happiness because I love like beautiful moments with family and, and feeling fulfilled in so many aspects and feeling connected with where you're from and being able to introduce like your wife and your son to, to where you're from and your culture. Like these are so many amazing things. And plus like at the root, not at the root of all that, at the root of all that is you and your happiness. But like yeah. professionally at the root of that is like using your culture and connecting with other people through, mm -hmm. through your culture and doing it in a smart way that makes sense to them. And yeah. it's just like, ah, oh, so nice. It's so, this makes me smile so happy. <laughs> Good, good. <laughs> I'm so happy for you guys. Yeah, Thank that's you. incredible. Thank you. Um, Thank you. We're super excited. And then, uh, you know, like we always do toward the end of these uh, podcasts, we call it our, like, uh, hot ones moment. You know, this camera, this camera, this camera. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody, uh, you know, best way to find you and uh, keep up with what you've got going on. Oh, my goodness. I was not expecting a hot ones moment. I, <laughs> I have been rehearsing this in the mirror for so long and I'm not prepared. Uh, one, because I don't know where to look, so I'm just gonna look straight ahead. Um, I'm recently very active on Twitter. Uh, 
for many reasons. You know, I used to tell people just, oh, add me on Facebook. But I, you know what I'm going to say. Like, Facebook is just, it's messy. I, I post pictures of my son there. And, like, I talk to my family from Mexico and friends from high school-ish. Uh, but that's it. So don't, you don't have to add me on Facebook. Uh, add me on LinkedIn, uh, Ray Nunez. Uh, all of my handles are reynunez.org, D-O-T-O-R-G. Uh, or you can find our company's uh, handles, The Nunez Co., T-H-E-N-U-N-E-Z-C-O. Uh, but yeah, add me on Twitter. That's where it'll be most uh, exciting and most relevant. And I post a lot of hilarious GIFs. Um, I've been trying to be more active, more hip like the kids. Um, I'm on TikTok now as a lurker, not a poster. Um, I know, I know. Um, I have I have very good rhythm, I'll say it. But I don't dance on TikTok. Um, but eventually, maybe we'll be pushed into the direction where we could start creating some content there too. Yeah, maybe that's, uh, that's, that's 2023. <laughs> that's 2023 that's right that's right uh you know it'll be cool because once the aliens are here and the zombies are here it'll just be perfect to create some content around that once we all turn into zombies and that's all we right. can do is tiktok right, are we not already zombies mm. true good point good point, point. um ray i just started following you on twitter and i love your twitter feed it's, oh, it's great you. you're welcome you. i that's another good thing for me too with, with this like who to watch stuff is some like people that I've seen before, like I'm getting to know, you know, it can be intimidating networking in such a yeah. small little city yeah. and getting to actually talk to people and, and, and see their faces and see how, what their stories are. It's just been such a fun way to like meet people and, and yep. hear different stories from different experiences. And um, so we're super pumped that you're part of this list and to get to hear um, all of your, all of your cool, goals and plans and that's ah, awesome thank you uh one thing on the twitter thing um when we were taking the picture on the bridge right when we were all getting together yeah um i knew a lot of the names right just from being rhode island uh but liza birch we follow each other on twitter for years and seeing each other in person on the bridge was the first time we ever ah. saw each other so i was just like oh my god i would hug you like you're real you're you're <laughs> a real person so uh yeah thank you for making that i think i happen. heard you say that actually like <laughs> i think i was like right i heard one of you say like oh my god yeah exactly so yeah that was a really beautiful rhode island moment uh, off of twitter so thank you for creating that <laughs> yes all right well this was so great uh, i'm really happy that you were able to come on and talk to us awesome all right appreciate you awesome. both have a wonderful new year thank you thank so much you Ray. As well. see you on twitter all right. And thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody have a good day, night, morning, whenever you're listening. Bye. Bye.